We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app, this is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on Boston Sports Original WEEI. All right, welcome in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot to get into. If you do want to weigh in on the Celtics, who, of course, lost last night, but they did finish up 11-2, and okay? So, yes, we were upset last night with the way they played, especially down the stretch, and there is a trend that was occurring in the fourth quarter of that game that's something we've been used to, and especially in the final five minutes of the game. We'll get into that in a little bit. But do you believe that Bill Belichick is going to pull off another big move in free agency this year? 617-779-7937 is the number. And by big move last year, I would say that, yeah, they spent a ton of money. Judon would be the big move. He was the big guy. Now, I guess you could argue Jonu Smith was supposed to be that. But Judon was an established player in Baltimore. He was a really good player, and you felt like, okay, he could even be better here. And he clearly was. But will Bill do that again? And I believe he will. And I understand from a salary cap perspective, they don't have near the money they had a year ago. But you can always find a way to move those contracts around. Heck, the New Orleans Saints go into every offseason like negative $70 million in salary cap space. They figure it out. The Green Bay Packers right now are in negative territory. They're second behind the Saints in terms of the negative salary cap space, if you will. And they're going to figure it out because they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers. Heck, they just hired back his old quarterbacks coach who was with him from 06 to 16. Another thing to do to try to entice him to come back. But I believe there are two main things that Bill needs to address in the offseason. And we'll get into the second one later because it's a very important one. But one of the other things I was thinking about is as we're looking at where the coaching staff is right now. And let's just go with the assumption that the offensive coaching staff, now you got to add some pieces, but sort of Joe Judge is the top offensive assistant, going with that assumption right now, which means clearly, and Mike Lombardi said it last week on Merloni and Fourier, that they're going to run Bill's offense. Okay, so let's go with that hypothetical. They're going to run Bill's offense. What has Bill's offense always had when it was an elite unit? A legitimate slot receiver. You go back to Troy Brown, and then Deion Branch, of course, could play in the slot. There has been a ton of great Patriot slot receivers, right, getting into the Edelmans and the Welkers. And if you look at that history, or rather the history of that position with the Patriots, they always sort of had that guy, okay? So if you look at it, too, Bill has paid 
I don't want to always say big money, but he's paid either a big price or he's paid with draft capital to acquire that type of player. Now, of course, originally has Troy Brown and then Dion Branch, who could play in the outside, but of course played in the slot as well. And he was really good in the slot. He was really good in the outside, but they spent a second round pick on Dion Branch. That's high draft capital, a second round draft pick. And everybody wants to look at the Nikhil Harry pick. Bill did also pick Dion Branch, just mentioning. But anyway, let me get back to my original point. So think about how Bill has handled this position. Troy Brown, then to Dion Branch, and then Dion Branch, of course, in 05, ends up leaving, or I should say in 06 he leaves after the 05 season. And the Patriots in that 06 season, Brady has the incredible win against the Chargers, who were supposed to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Brady wins there. Remember, that's when... LT was crying about the Patriots doing the lights out dance on the logo, that whole thing. But anyway, getting back to my original point, they lose in the AFC title game to the Indianapolis Colts. And that's, of course, after they had blown that 21 point lead. I know all the controversy, but I'm not getting into that. I'm not going back to that point in time. I'm just laying out that Brady that year, his number one receiver was Rache Caldwell. So, yes, Belichick went out there and he upgraded with Randy Moss. But what he also did is he realized, I don't have Dion Branch anymore. And also, Troy Brown is not that player anymore. He's not the same guy that he once was. So what does Bill do? He goes out and he gets Welker. And he gives up a second-round draft pick for Wes Welker. And remember, Wes Welker was a good player in Miami, but nobody could have predicted that he was going to become, by far, at that particular point in time, the best slot receiver in the NFL. But Bill gave up a second-round pick, which at the time, people were like, a second-round pick for Wes Welker? He's like mainly a punt return. What are you doing? Wes Welker comes here. We know the relationship with Brady. We know the history. Okay. So then you think about after Welker goes to Denver, he gets a two-year, $12 million deal. What was that in 2013, right? He goes to Denver to play with Peyton Manning. All right. So what does Bill do? Oh, yeah. Well, we all remember, like, Edelman eventually became the Welker replacement and— Edelman was like the opposite of Welker. He was incredible in the postseason. Welker has good postseason numbers, but look up Edelman's postseason numbers. They're incredible. Guy was averaging over 100 yards per game in a couple of those seasons. Of course, Super Bowl MVP. I love that guy. But anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked by Edelman. He's one of my favorite players in Patriots history. But originally, Bill's plan was, we're losing Welker. I don't want to pay Welker. Remember that relationship between Bill and Welker was rocky at the end. But he wanted to get somebody that could fill in for Welker's role. So what did he do? He went out and he signed Danny Amendola, right? Like Danny Amendola was supposed to be Edelman before Edelman became Edelman. And Amendola was a really good player for the Patriots. I'm not disputing that. He dealt with a lot of injuries, but the guy was incredible in the postseason. But the point being, Bill addressed that with money. Five years, $28.5 million, which was a lot of money at the time for a slot receiver in Danny Amendola. So another example of Bill paying this time in terms of his pocket to get that guy. And then they had Edelman for all these years, who was a bargain and Edelman would, I still don't understand why Edelman didn't ask for more money after the Super Bowl MVP. I don't understand why he didn't. But nonetheless, he didn't. He basically did whatever Bill wanted him to do, but you got a bargain there. But the point being, after you had Troy Brown, Bill tried to fill that void with a second-round draft pick and Deion Branch, who was really good. And then after that, after Branch leaves, he trades a second-round pick for Welker. And then after Welker goes to Denver, he pays a whole lot of money to bring in Danny Amendola. So my whole point here is that Bill, the slot receiver position, is something that he puts a lot of stock into, right? And especially if you're going to continue to run his system. So the guy playing in the slot right now is Jacoby Myers. 
And Jacoby Myers is a fine player, but he doesn't have the same skill set as Welker, as Edelman, as Branch, as Troy Brown, right? He's not quick. He doesn't, he is a consistent player. He's going to make plays for you, but he doesn't have that quickness in short areas. And that's what you need for that particular position, especially in that offense. And if you look at the guy that's out there, the best slot receiver on the market. And I know my guy Mutt loves Braxton Berrios, but by far the best slot receiver on the market is Chris Godwin. And if you're serious about helping Mac Jones, this is the type of player that you need to target. And I get it, he's coming off the torn ACL. But remember, Godwin is young. Godwin is entering his 26-year-old season, and Calvin Ridley is not a slot guy. That's the other name that's been rumored with the Patriots or has been rumored with the Patriots. Godwin hasn't. But when you look at a guy like Calvin Ridley plays more on the outside— and actually, you realize that he's older than Chris Goblin. He's actually going to be entering his 27-year-old season, and Godwin's entering his 26-year-old season. So he's actually a younger player. But here's the thing, okay? So if you look at it, with Godwin this season, before the injury, six, and Brady got him hurt. Brady threw him into that torn ACL, threw him right into the defender. But nonetheless, 6.3 yak per reception. That's 15th in the NFL. And when you have a player like Mac that's not going to throw the ball down the field all the time, you need these type of yak monsters. That's why I've advocated that Kendrick Bourne needs to get more involved because he averaged seven yak per reception this past season. Okay, here's another thing. He uncovers quickly. 3.3 yards of separation per target. That was tied for 21st in the NFL. And remember, that's with Tom Brady. Where Tom Brady's average time to throw was 2.5 seconds. That was the second fastest in the league. So he's got to get open incredibly quickly, and he did. And the Patriots obviously want Mac to get the ball out quickly. Last year, he was 11th in the league, 2.71 in terms of his time to throw. So with Godwin, it helps Mac in terms of getting the ball out quicker because Godwin is somebody that separates very, very quickly. Here's another great thing about him. When you look at Godwin, you look at what Mac Jones wants to do in terms of getting it out quickly, just 5.3 yards before reception. That was 11th among receivers. So he's not running down the field. Godwin is essentially... A souped-up version. He is, and I don't mean this literally, but he is, well, Edelman and Welker on steroids. I know the PED jokes with Edelman. But Godwin is that guy on steroids. I don't mean literally. I mean he's a bigger version of those guys. He's a more athletic version of those guys, and he's incredibly devastating after the catch. Now, if you look at it in terms of the relationship with the quarterback, in terms of him and Brady, 77% in terms of his catch rate. Over the last two years. And you're talking about 78.8 yards per game before the injury. You look at a guy like Ridley, he's not that type of player. I know everybody's getting infatuated with Ridley, but he plays on the outside. His catch rate the past two years, 62.9% and 59.6%. Actually, I'm off by a year. Ridley's actually entering his 28-year-old season. Godwin's entering his 26-year-old season. The other thing that you look at in terms of Ridley, Ridley is a guy that likes to go down the field. If you compare him to... Godwin, Godwin's somebody that his average depth of target is 10 yards. If you juxtapose that with Ridley, it's 14.3. So if you're looking for the perfect fit with Mac Jones, yes, we can all get infatuated with the receiver on the outside, the big guy on the outside, right? But what you look at what Mac really needs, and if Mac's going to be successful in this league, especially in this offense, which it seems like they're just going to carry over what Josh McDaniels was doing and what they've been doing. They want to run the Brady offense. I've had my issues with that. You know, I've laid that out on multiple occasions that I think they should evolve the offense more to max strengths. But nonetheless, just getting back to the original point, if you are going to run this Belichick-McDaniels offense, what you need is guys that uncover quickly 
and can make plays after the catch. And this, to me, is the time where Bill does spend. It's guys that are entering their prime. Godwin is still entering his prime. The guy's already an incredible receiver, and he's entering his 26-year-old season. Think about some of the big contracts that Bill has given out. Stephon Gilmore, for example, he was entering his 27-year-old season. He was entering his prime. You look at a guy like Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon is a guy that, okay, yeah, he plays for, what, five years with the Baltimore Ravens, and he ends up getting franchised for one season, and Bill thinks, I can get more potential out of the player. But Matthew Judon still is a guy that you gave, what, a four-year contract to on the other side, on the right side of 30 when you gave him that contract. So Bill will do this with players entering their prime. And I can't think of a more perfect fit for this team than Chris Godwin. Because it's not just an investment in Godwin. And I understand it's going to be a lot of money, probably about $18 million per season. And Bill doesn't do that with receivers. But it's also an investment in Mac. If you want to get the best out of Mac, this is the type of player you need to go after. So am I crazy to think that Bill will actually go after Chris Godwin in free agency? 617-779-7937 is the number plus. I will get into the one other guy that the Patriots are going to go after in free agency that's going to cost them a whole lot of money, and there's no way that Bill doesn't do it. We'll get into that. Plus, one issue I have with the Celtics right now that is concerning as we get into the post-All-Star break and more importantly into the playoffs. Brian Barrett with you right here on EEI. The home for Patriots fans. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the Bees fell to the Islanders 4-1. to Taylor Hall, the lone goal scorer in the loss, his 11th on the year. They'll head to Ottawa for a date with the Senators on Saturday night. Not a good stretch for the Bees here. Meanwhile, the Seas on the All-Star break after that 112-111 loss to the Pistons on Wednesday. The Green will visit the Nets on Thursday the 24th. Jason Tatum will be playing for Team Durant Sunday night in the All-Star game. I accidentally said Team LeBron. I'm glad that he's on Team Durant. The Packers are doing everything they can to keep Aaron Rodgers around. ESPN reporting that Green Bay is hiring Tom Clements as the team's quarterbacks coach. Clements was with the Packers from 06 from 2016, and he's a favorite of Rodgers. Interesting, too. He broke up with his fiancée, and apparently she's got a place in Colorado, so now people are saying he's not going to Denver. Crazy. And today's meetings between Major League Baseball and the Players Union lasted just 15 minutes. 15 minutes, rather. ESPN's Jeff Passan, though, here's some good news. He's reporting that the league and the union intend to hold multiple bargaining sessions, perhaps every day as early as Monday. This is good news. We need baseball back. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, and we are with you until midnight. If you want to wait on the Celtics, you certainly can. You can. I want to get into my one big issue I have with the Celtics right now. I'm very positive on the Celtics. I really like the direction the team's going. Ime Doka, I give him a lot of credit. I was hard on him at the beginning of the season because I felt like he kept doing things that didn't make sense to me in terms of calling out players. Like, remember after Jason Tatum had that huge game? He had like 40-something points, and Ime Doka comes out after the game 
And he goes, yeah, I told him after the game, or I told him that he can't be everybody's little brother. It's like, okay, so after your player has a big game, then you come out and you tell that story. You could have just kept that in-house, but you wanted to get that out there. So some of the stuff he said to the media at the beginning of the season kind of irked me every game. It was kind of like the Bruce Cassidy effect. How many times can you call it the team? Like, they clearly weren't responding. Now they clearly have responded. So I'll get into the Celtics in greater detail in a little bit. But this is worth mentioning, as I said, that Mac needs a legitimate bona fide number one option. And for a guy that doesn't throw the football down the field a whole lot, Chris Godwin is that type of player because Chris Godwin uncovers, uncovers rather incredibly quickly. The Patriots need that guy that they can build their offense around. They've always had that type of player. Right now, they don't. Jacoby Myers is not that guy. He's playing in the slot. He's a good player, but he's not on Godwin's level. I'm sorry, Braxton Berrios. I know Mutt loves him, but he's not in the Godwin level. Godwin is a significantly better player than anybody else you could put in the slot position. This would be the best guy to play in the slot for the Patriots. Now, his numbers may not be as good because he's not playing with Tom Brady, but this would be the most talented guy to play in the slot for the Patriots. And just one other thing as I address the receiver situation. So if you look at pro football focus, they rank their top 101 players in the league. So if you look on this list, Cooper Cup was number three, and this is a list of the entire NFL. So Cooper Cup was ranked as their third best player in the NFL at the receiver position. Devontae Adams was ranked fifth. Debo Samuel, eighth. Justin Jefferson, 21st. Chase, 26th. Tyreek Hill, 33rd. CeeDee Lamb, 57th. Higgins, 64th. Diggs, 68th. Lockett, 78th. A.J. Brown, 83rd. Metcalf, 91st. And then you had Waddle was at 100th on this list. So if you look at it, the Bills, and by the way, Gabriel Davis, I missed him. He was 93rd on this list. So the Bills who won the division, they had two guys, two receivers, Ranked in the top 101 from Pro Football Focus. How about the Bengals? The Bengals, I mentioned, T. Higgins and, of course, Jamar Chase, they had two receivers ranked in the top 101 from Pro Football Focus. They won their division, and they won the AFC. They should have won the Super Bowl, okay? The Titans, they had one guy in the top 101 from a receiver standpoint. They won their division. They had the number one seed in the AFC despite having a negative or despite having the second-worst point differential in the AFC from the playoff teams. How about the Chiefs? The worst team was the Steelers, if you're wondering. They sucked. I can't believe that was such a joke they got in the postseason. I really wish we could go back and the Chargers could beat the Raiders because I wanted Herbert in the playoffs, nonetheless, because everybody's anointing Burrow. Herbert's better. I'm sorry. The Chiefs, they had one guy, one receiver. They also had a tight end. But they had one receiver ranked in the top 101 from Pro Football Focus. They won their division. They played in the AFC title game. The Cowboys... They had one guy, CeeDee Lamb. They won their division. The Packers, they had, I don't know, the best record in the NFL before they choked in the postseason, but they had a guy in Devontae Adams ranked fifth in the top 101. The Rams, of course, who won the Super Bowl. They had one guy ranked third overall by Pro Football Focus who plays in the slot. He can't play on the outside, but he's dominant in the slot. Look what that guy did for Matthew Stafford. The 49ers, they made it to the NFC Championship game. They had one guy ranked in Pro Football Focus's Top 101. You notice the trend here? You notice the trend? All these teams that made deep runs into the postseason, the teams that played, you know, in the big games, the 49ers who played for the NFC title game against the Rams who won the Super Bowl. Each team had somebody in the top 100. You Both in the top 20, we should say. You look at the AFC, same sort of scenario. Burrow had two guys. Pat Mahomes had a guy and a tight end as well. It's kind of the theme of the NFL. You need weapons to win in this league. And just think about it from the Matthew Stafford perspective. 
And he had Kelvin Johnson earlier in his career. At that point, their defense was just horrible. It sucked. And then he finally got a good defense. He couldn't get it done, right? And he had some weapons there. But think about what it took for Matthew Stafford, who Matthew Stafford, this Hall of Fame situation with Matthew Stafford's a joke. That guy's never been a Hall of Famer. If you have to ask the question, is he a Hall of Famer? He's not a Hall of Famer. That's how I go about it. I've never looked at Matthew Stafford and said, you know what? He's one of the best three to four quarterbacks in the league during his era. Nobody's ever said that about Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry, not to go on a tangent about Stafford, but we would all say Stafford's a good player. At times, he's been a top 10 quarterback. At times, he's been a top 15 quarterback. He's never been an elite guy. Look at what it took for Matthew Stafford, former number one overall pick, to finally break through, win playoff games, win a Super Bowl. It took a great scheme with Sean McVay. It took, as of right now, the best receiver in the NFL in Cooper Cup. And they added weapons like an Odell Beckham Jr. at the trading dead or when they got released from the Browns. And that was supposed to be to add to Robert Woods. And they had Tyler Higby before he goes down. Now he was banged up, but he before he went down with the injury. So you get a good tight end in Higby. You got a receiver in at first Woods, then Beckham. But it was, the plan was to have both of them and to have Cooper Cup. So they doubled and tripled down on the weapons they wanted for their quarterback. And this is a guy that was drafted in 09 as the number one overall pick. Look at when Brady just won his most recent Super Bowl. He had Godwin, the guy I want. He had Evans. They got Gronk. They got Brady. All these teams are going and they're doing it with elite weapons. And those are with quarterbacks in Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford that are significantly more talented than Mac Jones. And this isn't meant to be an indictment on Mac Jones. It's just you need to give him more help. And in terms of Mac's skill set, the perfect guy is Godwin. And if you're going to spend money in the offseason, Godwin, and by the way, somebody on the Patriots, I'll get into it in a second, he would be my number one priority in terms of an external candidate. I would go after Godwin. I would do all I possibly could to get Godwin. No more projecting, will this guy be good? Because that's what you're doing with John Smith. Don't project. Go get the sure thing. Make a play for Goblin. And it looks like Bill and Brady are on good terms now. So Brady can put in a good word for Bill, maybe. Maybe Brady would help Bill. It seems like their issues have been squashed. It's Brady who has an issue now with Kraft. And he's had an issue with for years. And Kraft's like, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing again. But Kraft calling Stephen A. Smith when Brady left was the most disrespectful thing that he could have done. Trying to blame the whole thing on Tom. That was an absolute joke. And then he's not standing by Bill. I've had an issue with that as you know, for a long time. But nonetheless, getting back to the original point, maybe Tom puts in a good word for Goblin. Hey, you'd like it. 617-779-7937 is the number. So should the Patriots go after Goblin? And what should Bill's number one priority be as we get close to free agency in the NFL? It really is insane. The NFL, you basically got a week of nothing, and then next week we're going to have the NFL combine. So hey, that's the great thing about the NFL. Let's get to Pauly. He's in Quincy. Pauly, what's up, man? Don't fall in love with a dreamer, because he'll break you every time. Brian, Godwin's going with Tom Brady and Gronk to San Francisco. I'm sorry to tell you, brother. Oh, you're buying that? You think he's going to San Francisco? I mean, there's been some reporting. Yeah, he's going there. I I texted that somebody the other day. Uh, It said, uh, you know, uh, Brady will be taking uh, Godwin with with him and Gronk to San Fran. No, because they got to pay Samuel soon. No, they are those twin, those twin towers in Samuel and Godwin inside. Brady likes to get no, rid of Paulie, the Paulie, they're not going to do that. They got IU. No, 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 no. Paulie, hold on, hold on, hold on. They got 
Godwin, uh, right now they have Samuel. They have Ayuk, who they cool. just drafted a couple of years ago, who was outstanding for them. And they have right. Kittle. They're not paying another skill position player. They're not. Brian, Brian, we got to build a defense first, okay? Really, first things first. We got to, you know, uh, we, need, we need at least a couple of linebackers, okay? Uh, what, what's the story? What happened with you? Was he just, why did he fall off the table? Was it, did he have a, uh, was it in fact a rib injury? What slowed him down? Because if, if yeah. there was no injury, that's cause for concern. What was yeah, the I'm with you. That, Brian? Now, he was battling like something with the rib area, but I don't know exactly what it was. He didn't, he, he didn't reveal it, but he, not to say that it takes a lot of effort to play in it, but he was at the he, Pro Bowl. He was on Radio Row. So, I, I mean, I yeah. hope that it was an injury well, because if it was, have, yeah, that's that, what I mean. Brian. But I will say this, Paul, well, the other thing I'd point to, so think about this. So, his, in yeah. 19, he played 81% of the snaps with the Ravens. But last year, he only played 62% of the snaps. This year, he's back up to 81%. And he's rushing the passer way more than he was in Baltimore, right? So I'm wondering if it was a fatigue thing. Because remember... Well, I hope not. That, that, that would not be a good sign. It better have been an injury, I'll tell you that. But in terms of the receiver core, I'll tell you, for starters, you've you got to keep Aguilar because he's the only guy you have to stretch the field. If you lose him, you're going to have to replace him. Well, how are you going to cut him? They're not going to cut him. And that, and that, let, let, let me let me go on this now. You know, Matt Matt uh, Matt Jones was was geared uh, with with only about uh, third, two thirds of three quarters of the playbook in his hand. Okay, and he was he was told to get rid of the ball quickly. He wasn't throwing the ball down the down the field a lot to a guy like Aguilar. I think that he'll be getting a little bit further down the field as he gets young, as he gets stronger. Uh, a little bit bigger and, and better decision making and, and what have you. As he continues to develop and get better, they'll let, let him open it up a little bit more and get down there. But you're going to have to replace him if you if you lose him. You're going to need another speed guy anyway. So you got to hold on to him first so he can stretch the field. You do need a slot guy, but you can get that slot guy in the second or the third round perhaps. But but Brian, I'm telling you, you got to build that defense. They were getting killed. The, the, no, uh, no punts. Two games against the Bills. We got to build the defense first and foremost, and, and that we still need that left tackle. But I don't think we're going to get it. But I know I'm going a little bit far there. All right, I need Paul. to stick with win. But yeah, appreciate the date. I appreciate the call, man. All right, Brian. All right, kid. Appreciate it. His line's open if you want to grab it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Well, Aguilar is not going anywhere. Aguilar is under contract for next season. The cap hits at fourteen point eight, and if you cut him, the dead cap hit would be ten million dollars. So that's not happening. And what Paulie's saying about Aguilar. I feel like everybody got on Aguilar throughout the season for, like, not producing. But do you ever remember, like, were you watching Aguilar this season and you were saying, oh, you know, he really screwed that up or he screwed this up? Like, Jonu Smith, you could see it. Like, he wasn't catching the football. That's kind of an issue, right? That's why they stopped targeting him. With Aguilar, I feel like part of the issue there is they weren't targeting him enough. His targets were almost down a full target per game from where he was at a season ago. If you look at Next Gen does all the advanced metrics on him his separation rate was the same like he was separating the same as he was before they just weren't targeting him as much as they were the season prior with Derek Carr they were throwing the ball down the field more with the Raiders and that's something took Derek Carr a long time to do and basically the reason they got Aguilar was to force Derek Carr to throw the football down the field he's been a much better and a much more productive player since then so Aguilar is not going anywhere I didn't have as big of an issue with Aguilar this season and quite frankly I didn't have as big of an issue with the contract everybody complained about it's a two-year contract. You're out of it after next year. So if he doesn't work out it after next year, who cares? It's not that big of a deal to me. And he did still 
requires some respect from defenses this season in terms of putting a safety over the top. So I do think they have to use Aguilar more. Now, the other guy that I believe the Patriots need to keep, and the, or of course, Godwin would be an ad, but that is J.C. Jackson. And I've said from day one that I believe that Bill is going to keep him. This is going way back when, when Wiggy was calling out the Patriots saying that they're going to let J.C. Jackson go and that J.C. Jackson is going to go somewhere else and sign with a different team. I just don't see how Bill lets him go. He's one of the handful of great corners in the league right now. You don't have those traditional shutdown corners anymore. J.C. Jackson is a playmaker, but he's one of the best in the league. Completion percentage again is 49.1. That's second among corners targeted at least 80 times. Ramsey was at 59.2%. A.J. Terrell, the great corner for Atlanta, was at 50%. Darius Slay was at 58.8%. So J.C. was better than all of them. Passer rating against 46.8%. Best among any player targeted at least 90 times. Ramsey at 71.1. Terrell at 61. Slay at 74.4. Eight interceptions, of course. That's why I allude to the playmaking. Second to Diggs, who Diggs gives up so many damn yards. I mean, it's really remarkable how many yards that guy gives up. 496 air yards and 411 yak. Feast or famine. Now, I think some people go too hard on him because he gets beat a lot. He does make a ton of plays. I like him as a player. Don't love him. I like J.C. Moore. But nonetheless, the eight interception, second of digs. Ramsey had four. Terrell had three. Slay had three. Now, Ramsey did play a different type of position that this year. He's playing like that star role in that defense. They moved him around a lot more than he ordinarily does. But my point being, and if you look at where they rank in terms of pro football focuses grades this year, Ramsey was 64th in the top 101, 84.4 grade out of 100, of course. Terrell was 47th, 82.7. Slay was... 59th, he had an 81 grade, and J.C. Jackson was 71 at 78.9. Those are the top four corners of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. A lot of the metrics would tell you the same things. So the reason I bring that up is J.C. Jackson is an elite corner, and there is no replacement here. If J.C. Jackson goes, there's not an in-house candidate. Jalen Mills is not a number one corner. I like Jonathan Jones. He's more of a slot corner. So you don't have a legitimate replacement. And you think about corners that Bill has let go in the past. Well, Ty Law, he was released in the 05 offseason. He was entering his 31-year-old season. And you had Asante Samuel, an up-and-coming player, entering year three. So, And Ty Law was aging. It made sense to get rid of Ty Law at 31. Then you let Samuel go for a big payday in 08. Six years, $56 million. Remember, that's after Samuel dropped the interception against the Giants. And Bill was... Bill got, it seemed like, at least from my, I don't have the source. It just felt like Bill got frustrated with Samuel because he gambled so much, right? But the Patriots, their corners suck for a little while. And then you make the Super Bowl in 2011. Your corners were not great at all. In fact, they were bad. Remember Devin McCourty, rookie year, great as a corner. Second year, not good as a corner. Actually, really bad. Then goes over to safety. Great safety. You had Raze Dowling. You had Kyle Arrington. The Patriots are 31st in passing defense that season by yards. Their secondary got exposed, right? And they still made the Super Bowl because the offense was so damn good. So then in 2012, Bill puts more emphasis into the defense. He drafts two defensive players in the first round, Chandler Jones, my guy, and Dante Hightower. They trade up for both of them. So clearly the emphasis was defense, but the defense wasn't done at that point. At the deadline in 2012, they trade for Tlaib. So finally, they get that elite corner again. And it was a gamble at the time because Tlaib had off-the-field issues, and you only gave up a fourth-round pick. Okay, so then Tlaib leaves for big money. After the 13 season, Bill's got to go out there and find a replacement. He rents Revis for a year. And remember, Revis is great for that year. They, and that was a fun team, man. I, I argue that the 14 team was the best Patriots team. 
Andy Hart and I had an argument about it. He thinks it's 04. I think it's 14. But nonetheless, Revis, it was so fun because they would do this thing where Revis would go on the number two receiver and they double the number one receiver and you couldn't pass on the Patriots. Remember that? It was great. But nonetheless, Revis then gets that big deal from the Jets. Bill was interested in bringing him back, but not for five years and 70 mil and 39 million guaranteed. Bill said, see ya. Okay, so he lets him go, and he was entering his 30-year-old season. We all know the history of that. Bill was proven correct. He let Butler be the number one guy for a little bit after the interception against the Seahawks. Butler's pretty good for a year or two. You went a Super Bowl in 16, but then Bill decides, I don't want to pay him. He's not the number one guy. They give Gilmore a deal before the 17 season. Five years, 64 mil, 31 million guaranteed. And he was entering his 27-year-old season. J.C. Jackson's entering his 27-year-old season. And Bill found this guy as an undrafted player. I just don't understand the panic that Bill's going to let this guy go. You don't have a legitimate candidate on the roster to replace J.C. Jackson. And guess who's the number one corner on the market? J.C. Jackson. So you can't let him go. And every time the Patriots have have had an elite defense, going back to the original dynasty, Ty Law, going back to the 14 team, Darrell Rivas, look at the 18 team. Gilmore, who would then become the defense player of the year. He's always had that lockdown guy. Akib Talib. he's always had that lockdown guy. I cannot imagine he lets him get away. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Pat and Dedham. Pat, what's up? Hey, I, I, I'm just calling. I, I mean, we're talking a lot about players, and I, and I appreciate that. And I think, I mean, you just rattled off more statistics than I can even uh, comprehend remembering. But who's calling the plays on the defense? I think that's Steve Belichick. something that, as we, yeah, and that's the problem here. We have too much nepotism with this team to the extent where we have a guy like Steve Belichick calling the plays. How about we bring somebody in who actually knows what the frick they're talking about here? So, Pat, your bigger issue is with the defensive play calling than finding an offensive coordinator? I, I, I need some direction. We're talking players here. we got a lot of thoughts about the personnel, and I appreciate that. Again, the, the attention to detail is not lost on me. But we need some leadership, and when it's Steve Belichick with a big fat lip in his mouth on the sidelines, I'm not sure that that's the guy that we need calling the plays for the defense here. Yeah, but Pat, and look, I appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you'd like to grab it at 617-779-7937. When I looked at that Patriots defense, now, obviously, we know something happened at the bye week. I don't know what the hell happened at the bye week. Matt came out and he said we were feeling sorry for ourselves because, I don't know, they lost one day during the bye week. So something happened at the bye week. The defense is not the same after that. But I didn't really feel like during that stretch it was a scheme thing. You had the Colts beat, and... Hightower overruns Taylor, and McCourty can't make a play either. He runs 67 yards, so instead of your quarterback having an opportunity to go down the field and win it after you played so poorly early in that game, he doesn't get a chance because the defense can't get off the field. right? I don't look at that as a scheme thing. You had the right play call. I can't remember the game that I was watching. Now, the one thing I will say, they did not get off to good starts defensively, so that's a game-planning thing, but I don't feel like they were doing a terrible job calling those games defensively. I believe it's a personnel thing in terms of what this team needs to do. So I got another suggestion in terms of what they can do on the personnel, but I also want to get into this. ESPN's latest mock draft is out from Todd McShay. He's got the Patriots taking a guy that I do not want to see them take. I'll get into that. And plus, my one issue I have with the Celtics would do that. The number 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you on EEI.
right, so remember the other day when people said, well, the Celtics beat the Sixers and they didn't have James Harden. Yeah, well, they just got James Harden. He's not playing tonight either. And the Sixers are playing the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the world champs. And Philadelphia on the road is beating Milwaukee right now, 118 to 116. You got about a minute and 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. So we're now going to say that one was impressive because I hate when we do this. Like with any team, well, they didn't have this guy. They didn't have that guy. They didn't have that guy. Well, watch games. They're playing completely differently. Last night notwithstanding. That was more about rebounding than anything else. But nonetheless, just getting back to my original point, that was an impressive win the other night. Anybody that is trying to tell you that the Celtics win against Philadelphia in Philadelphia, where they just completely ran them off the floor, that that wasn't an impressive win. They just either A, didn't watch the game, or B, don't want to talk NBA, or C, actually, is they've had this take on the Celtics all season long that they're not good, they don't believe in them, so they're just going to stay with their take. Or D, which is that they have absolutely no respect for Joel Embiid. That's a good point, too. They don't like Joel Embiid who's having a great season, arguably the MVP of the league right now. So there's a lot of different elements. If you didn't think that win was impressive, even Doc Rivers after the game was complimenting the Celtics, talking about Glenn Ordway would be proud. He was complimenting the ball movement of the Celtics. But anyway, I just had to go on that side tangent. If you don't want to weigh in the offseason for the Patriots, certainly can. Do you agree with me that Bill should make a play for Chris Godwin? 617-779-7937 is the number. And I also truly believe there's no way he lets J.C. Jackson Get out of town. Of course, they have the franchise tag if they need to use it. My guess is they'll franchise him, and then eventually they get to a long-term deal because there's no replacement in-house for J.C. Jackson right now, and there's no avenue you can see Bill upgrading that position. There's nobody on the market better than J.C. Jackson. But I did want to get to this real quickly. So Todd McShay put out his most recent mock draft, and, of course, he has, well, the Patriots are selecting 21st. So he has the Patriots taking Kyler Gordon, the – Cornerback from Washington. He says in this, the back seven could lose several starters to free agency, including J.C. Jackson. Now, Kuyper, remember a couple of weeks ago, or I should say Jordan Reed, their other, they added another draft guide at ESPN. He had the Patriots taking Andrew Booth, also a corner, him from Clemson, though. And by the way, Gordon, by most people, is ranked after Booth. He's six feet, 200. He can play in the slot and the outside, but if you look at some of the stuff on him, some of the scouting write-ups, tight hips, average strength, average quickness, trouble with twitchier receivers. Doesn't seem like a great guy to pick 21st overall. And here's the bigger point. So if you look at this in terms of he's arguably the fourth or the fifth best corner in the class, but here's the thing that sticks out to me. So he has, does Todd McShay, Chris Alave, the receiver from Ohio State, going 22nd to the Raiders. And then he has, at 27th, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Jamison Williams, who's, of course, coming off the injury. If he wasn't injured, he'd be going somewhere in the top 10. But the point being, if you're the Patriots right now, and if you look at the landscape of the NFL, from my perspective, it makes no sense to take a guy that's considered to be the fourth or the fifth best corner in the draft at 21 compared to somebody that's considered to be the fourth or the fifth best receiver. It's just more value taking the receiver there. And if you're looking at other positions in terms of where you could see the Patriots going, the three main things we look at, receiver, of course, corner, and linebacker. And I would believe offensive line slash tackle would be somewhere in that group as well, but behind those three other groups that I've pointed out. But if you look at it in terms of the side-to-side linebackers, if you will, sideline-to-sideline linebackers, he has Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, going to Denver at number nine, which... So he's off the board. And you look at, for example, I know everybody, it seems like, 
right now is falling in love with N'Kobe Dean, the great linebacker out of Georgia. We all just watched him play in the national championship. Of course, he has him off the board at number 15. So when you look at it from that perspective, the two best linebackers in the draft, those new modern linebackers that are a little smaller, but they're fast and they can run all over the field, a la a guy like Devin White or Levante David or Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the league for my money. So when you look at it from that perspective, those guys are off the board. So you don't have the elite linebacker there for you. You got the fourth or the fifth best corner there. It's not a great draft for offensive linemen. If there's a receiver there, I would take him. Now, maybe you alter your plans if in free agency you do what I want to do and get a guy like Chris Goblin. Okay, then maybe you alter your plans a little bit. But it just doesn't seem like it's worth an investment in a corner there when there are receivers on the board. If you don't get a big-name receiver via free agency, well, then you're still looking for that number one target. And the only other avenue to do that would be via a trade or via the draft. And it looks like one of those guys will be there in the draft. I've given you the numbers. Like all these receivers in recent history that go in the first round, they're hitting at an incredible rate that we've never seen before really in NFL history because all these teams across the collegiate level now, they pass like crazy, right? So the other option, if you don't get Goblin, you got to go via the draft or you got to go via trade. And the Kelvin Ridley thing scares me. I laid out some of the facts in terms earlier when I was comparing him to Godwin. He's an outside receiver. He likes to get down the field. But the other thing, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to Godwin's situation, but Godwin, remember, you would have to give up draft capital. So, I mean, the Patriots gave up a second-round pick for Sanu. What do you think? the And Julio went for a second as well. So you would think a younger receiver, Ridley's going to fetch at least a second-round draft pick, especially – because there's going to be other competing teams across the league, the teams that don't get Adams, the teams that don't get Chris Goblin, and they don't get Mike Williams, teams are going to be looking at a guy like Calvin Ridley. And so, first of all, you got to give up a draft pick, and then he's on his fifth-year option. So you got to decide whether or not you want to sign Calvin Ridley to a long-term contract extension, which that could be dicey as well. And Bill has done this before with the Brandon Cook situation where he just kept him for a year. But if you're giving up a draft asset, like a second-round pick, hypothetically, and you're bringing that guy in and you don't give him an extension, it just doesn't feel like that's really good business from a Patriots perspective. And the other thing that I would allude to with his situation is just he had to step away from football this year because he was dealing with mental issues. And like I said, I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, but if you're a executive of an NFL team, you got to factor that in. How do you know that situation's not going to present itself again? And I'm not saying that to criticize the player. Obviously, he was dealing with something from a mental health perspective. But what happens if you're in week seven of the season and all of a sudden he's dealing with something again and he's got to step away from football? See, from my mind, that would be something that would concern me about going after him. There is no concerns outside of Godwin coming back from an ACL injury, which it appears everything's going well with his recovery and we've seen ACLs now it's more like an eight or nine month recovery than it used to be where it was a full year and sometimes it would take a year and a half for guys to come back remember when Brady got the ACL injury people thought that could be like career altering clearly it wasn't he played his best football post ACL injury I know it's the MVP in 07 but I argue that from 14 to 18 is the best stretch we've ever seen of quarterback play in the history of the league and 16 was his, his best season but the point being, now all these guys are coming back from ACL injuries. All right, 617-779-7937 is a number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight 
a lot more to get into. So if you don't want to weigh in on the Patriots, will Bill go after Chris Godwin in free agency? Should he? Are you with me that he's going to keep J.C. Jackson? That's on the table at 617-779-7937+. Plus. One carryover from last night's game that was a little bit disturbing, but I don't think it's a trend. And the other thing is a trend that is concerning with the Celtics. We'll get into that next here on EEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.